1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 1, the Bible says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Verse 2 says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and understand not, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity, charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Verse 6 says, Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Verse 8, charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man... When I became an adult, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth hope, or faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we trust that you are the God of charity, the God of love, the God of faith and hope. And Lord, we just we trust you this morning. We invite you here among us, Lord. And, and as always, Lord, as your church comes together to, to worship you corporately, to, to, to look at your word, to study your word, and to be approved uh, of, of you, Lord. And we, we want so desperately, Lord, for you to look down here today and meet with us. And, uh, and to be blessed by our gathering here today, Lord. Bless our hearts, Lord. Lord, help us to, to change the meaning, the, the reason we're here, if it's not the right reason. Even now, Lord, convict us uh, to be here for the right reason, to worship you, to learn from you, to, to lift up your holy name, Lord. Lord, we're going to talk about love this morning, your love. What a, Lord, as John said, behold what manner of love. And Lord, we're thank you, thankful for so much uh, for loving us. Help us to love others the way you love us, Lord. And, and we thank you for that. And we ask you to meet with us again. In Jesus' name, amen. So in our Bibles here, we see right there in verse number 13 that Paul puts three things together there. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And, and, and the greatest of these is, of course, love. And as you, again, as you recall a few months ago, I've already mentioned this, but I preached a sermon on real faith, I think, at the beginning of the year. Last week, we looked at real hope. And if you remember that, how our anchor is holding on to that real hope, and he is the only friend that goes beyond the grave. When we're holding on to that rope and that anchor, he's the only one that death passes through, and we can still hold on, or rather, he's holding on to us. We have a real hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. But today, we also have a real, faith, a real love. Paul, again, writes that faith, hope, and charity abide, and the greatest of these is love, is charity. Now, the Greek word for, for charity is agape, and it's most often translated as love. Uh, in fact, in the authorized version, it's translated only as charity 27 times, and in, as love 86 times. But if you read through this passage here, this, this chapter here in chapter 13, often referred to as the love chapter, Paul is making a strong emphasis on love. He's looking at one of the characteristics of love as an action. Uh, and that's exactly what charity is. Charity is an action. And in our day and age, where we live at here in Germany, there in the United States, around the world, it seems as if most of the world's definition for love is an emotional love. It's a shallow love. 
to something that doesn't endure, something that, that doesn't meet any of the qualifications right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. As a matter of fact, a lot of the issues that we face in our lives are because of a lack of Christian love, even among God's people. Today, love has diminished to be nothing more than an emotion, nothing more than a feeling. The phrases along the lines of falling in love imply that we don't have a choice who we love. It's nonsense. Can I say that? It's nonsense. The Bible gives us a choice. Love uh, is a choice. But not to be surprised because the Bible calls us. I mean, let me just say this. You know, our love is an emotion. We, we understand that. But it's so much more uh, than emotion. And, and the Bible calls us to keep our feelings in check. And rightfully so. Uh, Jeremiah, there in 29, I think it is, or no, uh, chapter 17, verse 9 says that the heart, our heart, is desperately wicked above all things. Uh, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now I'm thinking, I know that many people think they read that, Jeremiah 17, 9, and they automatically think, well, I'm a Christian. My heart's not deceitful. Can we really say that? We can't say that. We know that when we rely on our flesh, we have deceitful thoughts. If we yield to all of our feelings, it's not going to be a good day. So as Christians, as new creatures in Christ, we are not to be led by our hearts. We are not to be led by our emotions. We are to be led by the Spirit. That's a drastic difference in the world. Big difference. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. We are not emotion-driven. We are Spirit-driven. We live in an outraged culture today that is emotion-driven. We must be Spirit-driven. We as Christians are followers of God. And yielding to our emotions is easily synonymous with yielding to the flesh. Over and over, we see some of the same characteristics. We are not supposed to be a part of this outrage culture. Again, we're the people of God. We don't react the way they do. Uh, In the teen group, a couple couple weeks ago, we talked about, you know, Coca-Cola and fruit juice. We used fruit punch, but it exploded anyway. I don't know what was going on there. But, you know, we're trying to shake up fruit juice. I said get a V8, but nobody knew what a V8 was. I don't know. <laughs> that shocked me. But y'all remember, all, all, us old folks in there remember the EA. It's just straight up tomato juice or, or something along those lines. And you can shake it all day long, but it's not going to explode. But you shake up soda and all those things, it's going to go over the place. That's an outrage culture. We are have the fruit, if I can play on words there, the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't get shaken up. We're Spirit-led. Spirit-driven. But please don't misunderstand. Emotions are not automatically sinful. God gave us these emotions. God, they come along with our attributes. God Himself has emotion. The Bible says that sin grieves Him. Remember there in Genesis chapter 6, it, it grieved Him at His heart. It broke God's heart for man to sin. I believe it broke His heart in the Garden of Eden. It broke His heart there with Adam, or of Abraham and Isaac as we're approaching to in our study in Genesis. It broke His heart on the cross. God grieves over our sin. John records that Jesus wept when He walked up when Lazarus was still in the grave. So emotion is a needful thing. But yielding to that emotion can also, again, be synonymous not only with the flesh, but it can also be synonymous with the Spirit, yielding to the Spirit. You're like, wait a minute now. You just, you just told me that you know, yielding to, the, to our emotions is a, is a, is a sin and it's, and it's fleshly. But we can yield to the Spirit and have Christian emotions, God-given emotions. How can we tell what those emotions are? How do we tell what, what emotion we're yielding to or what Spirit-led or, or whether we're emotion-led? In Galatians 5, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Is love. 
love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Get this now, against such there is no law. No law. You know, it's not illegal to be kind. Even in the, the most tyrannical situations on this earth, generally speaking, you can get away with saying thank you. You can get away with saying kind. There's no law against these things. These are the good feelings, if you will, that are from God. When a man is broken so much he realizes he's in tears that he knows he needs God, these are, those are emotions working for his favor. Spirit-led emotions. It's the evidence of what's inside. It's the evidence of fruit. Notice also that this list of fruit is not something that you and I can muster up. We can't walk, wake up today and go to Galatians chapter 5 today. I'm going to have lots of love. I'm going to have lots of joy. I'm going to be very peaceful and long-suffering today. It's not something that we can do. We don't have it in us. Remember where the heart is? It's deceitful. We need these things from God. It's not the fruit of man. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Feelings from God. We receive them by yielding to the Spirit, by being led of the Spirit. If there's ever a time, and I, I'm sure every preacher said this since Christ was coming out of that grave, if there's ever a time when we need Christians to be yielding to the Spirit, it's today. It's today. And while each of these fruit here uh, in Galatians chapter 5 is very important, I want to talk about that first one, what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, which is love. You know, when it comes to love, it's important that we as Christians, if anybody know and realize that it's more than an emotion. So much more. First of all, the ability to possess real love is not within us. It's an attribute from God. Second, being more than an, an emotion, it is also an action. Love is an action. It's a choice. Back in verse 13 of chapter 13, I think that's what Paul is getting at. And all of those things there, uh, he's talking about... Uh, I mean, look at some of those things. We're going to go through some of them. Charity suffereth long, is kind. Charity envieth not. When, when the love of God comes inside of it, it, it enables us. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. But it enables us to live out a life that's pleasing to God. Real love is an action. It's a choice to be made in the hearts and minds of God's people. And I'm not saying that unbelievers cannot display acts of real love. We hear great stories about unbelievers doing great things. Of, I mean, just unbelievable things for another man. Uh, so that's not what I'm saying here. God has endowed men with remarkable traits, remarkable qualities, even those who reject Him. But the best example of real love in this world should not be from them. It should be from us, from God's people. So with all that said, I want to I give you a few attributes this morning of real God-given agape love. Look at verse 4 of, of chapter 13. Verse 4 says, Charity suffereth long, and then verse 7 says, It beareth all things, and it endureth all things. Charity suffereth long, it beareth all things, it endureth all things. So number one, real love endures. Real love lasts. It remains. When it's all said and done, the dust is settled, love is there. Love is there. Like hope, it goes beyond the grave. Real love doesn't walk out. Real love doesn't walk away. It endures. Real love is the marriage that lasts 50 years. Pastor and Miss Rose just celebrated, I think, 40 years of marriage. That's an example of love. Real love doesn't blink at the hardships of life. The other emotions that we have, the other attributes we got may struggle with, but real love doesn't blink at them. It keeps right on going. Yes, life is tough sometimes. Real love is tougher. 
Romans 8, 38 and 39, Paul writes this. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And 1 John 4, 7 and 8, we're going to end up there, so you don't have to turn there right now. But the Bible says, Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In other words, the greatest love is God's love. There's no surprise there, right? The greatest love is God's love. And if we are born in God, or born of God, as in born-again Christians, we have that love in us because God is love and God is in us. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an obvious conclusion here. We have the love of God in us and God's love endures. What kind of love is that? A love that doesn't separate us by any of those things that we listed there. I am persuaded that neither death nor life shall be able to separate us from the love of God, Paul writes. So what is our standard for love as Christians? It's pretty easy, right? God's the standard. That's the standard. Love never walks out. And we like this verse, I think, right there in, in verse 8 and verse 9 where it talks about, uh, uh, in ver- back in Romans, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life and all of those things. I've heard some people quoting it as I was saying it. It's a great passage. Uh, it's a great verse that we can hold on to, the love of God. And we hopefully believe every word of that verse. I like the way it talks about not even death can separate us from God. But notice, it's kind of simple, but notice it also says life. I think we, we, we're easy to see those big ticket items. Death cannot separate us. But life, that's this. Life cannot separate us from the love of God. There is nothing in this life that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. Not riots, not vandalism, not anything that we can think of in our mind. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not our actions, not our attitudes, and not even our arguments. Real love endures. Real love endures. It, it binds. It binds. And we're going we're to kind of develop this, this idea of a binding love, an enduring love as we go along. But that's real love. That's God's love. But I want you to notice uh, in 1 John 4, 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Love is of God. So our, God's love to us is not just to us. What's that brother, uh, brother Burton used to say? Uh, he loved, or I love him because he first loved me. That's a quote, of course, from the Apostle John. But let us love one another. So our love should be coming through us. I've mentioned this before about grace and other things about the attributes of God. It's kind of like a garden hose that's plugged into a faucet outside. And down in Tennessee, we call them spigots. You just plug that thing in there, you know, whatever, you know. So you you got the hose coming out there. And we're hooked up to God, if you will, like John 15 with with the vine that's abiding in Christ. And all those attributes like love and grace are flowing through us. But many times we just want to hold on to those things. And we kink the hose. And it doesn't go out beyond us. And we're hogging in our minds the love of God, and it's not going beyond us, but we are to love each other. If we truly experience a love from God that changed our whole life, even our destiny, how can we not pass that love on? Let us love one another. We are to love each other with real love. What's that mean for us? Again, it means that life has no power over our love for others. Life has no power over our love for others. Our actions and attitudes and arguments 
have no power over God's love to us, other people's actions and attitudes and arguments have no power over our love if it's a real agape love from God. If it's anything less, it's going to blink. It's going to fall away. Real love endures. Real love is patient. It's not easily provoked. It rejoices in truth. It bears all things and enduring, endures all things. Remember, remember how Paul, he pretty much introduced this chapter, introduced love to this chapter with the thought that he's saying, I could, I could have everything in the world, and if I don't have love, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I bet we can sit here and probably name off or even do a, a Wikipedia search, good real source there, you know, and find out all kinds of people who have all the things in the world, but they don't have love. And they're, they're not happy. I, I've never did a study for suicide rates or things like that for rich people, but I would think it's probably higher than poor people. Poor people with Christ, that is. So Paul introduces the, the chapter here with love. If I have it all, and if I don't have love, I am nothing if we have God in us as Christians, we also have God's love in us. Even if we don't have anything in this world, we have it all when we have the Son. Paul again wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.14 that the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ constrains us. It, in other words, that the love of God has taken a hold of us. It's, 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 we have been conformed to that love. It has taken a hold on us in a way that it changes who we are. But again, a love is not meant to only change us. It's to change others as well, which leads me to my second point here. So the first one was real love endures. The second one is real love edifies. Look again at verse number four. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's, it's not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. So these attributes here are all are attributes of, God, of, uh, of love. And like I said, I can't go through these things. We'd be here for quite a long time. I thought about it. I even entertained the idea of just giving, have like a 14-point message. And, and, and Johnny's even said, well, as long as you go through it quick, it, it may, maybe even seem faster. But I started thinking, can I really go through 14 points quick? So I, I try to, to keep it here simple here. But I'm just going to pull out a couple things here. Verse number four, again, says, Charity suffers long and is kind. We talked about it in the beginning here, but kindness... Is a, is a dying trait. Uh, it's going away. And kindness is how we treat others. But as simple as it sounds, it's not easy. The old phrase, you know, kill them, kill them with kindness when they're, when they're, when they're dealing with uh, different ways but, or different ways to you. But we must be a kind people. Kindness goes a long way. Kindness edifies in a way that recipro reciprocates kindness. In other words, you be kind to somebody, generally speaking, they're going to be kind to you. It's just happened. You can be the most different people in the world, and you're kind to somebody. I mean, overly kind, generally, they're going to be kind to you. And again, I want to point out that kindness is not a weakness. Kindness is also not toleration. And I'm not here to lift up love this morning, love of God, at the expense of all His other attributes. Because if you really think about this love, this idea called love, this idea that that God sent His only begotten Son because He loved us. Think about how we can experience love. We can only experience the love of God at the expense of justice on His Son. 
at the expense of the wrath of God on His own Son. That's how we experience love. Without judgment, we would not have the love. We cannot experience the love of God. So we are able to experience the love of God in Christ Jesus only because that same Jesus bore the wrath of God on the cross of Calvary. So while we are to be kind, this is not to say that we just accept things the way they are. Real love is to edify, not lie, not deceive, or even yield to wickedness. In fact, because we know the love of God, we are more readily to, extra, or to recognize the things that are contrary to God. The Bible states in Ephesians 4.26, Be ye angry and sin not. Remember, we talk about those emotions there. He says, Be ye angry and sin not. In Psalm 7.11, the Bible says, God is angry with the wicked every day. Every day, God is angry with the wicked. So there are things that should bother us. There are things that should upset us. There are things that we should have a deep concern for, but we can be kind in doing them. We can be kind in the way we respond to these things. Again, verses 4 and 5, I know I'm kind of hovering around those verses there. There's certainly much to bring to light there. The big takeaway from those verses and all of them is about real love is about real love from God is about him loving us. And real love for us is about us loving God and us loving others. It flows uh, through us and it is reciprocal. It comes back to us as individuals. Simply put, it's not about us. It's not about us. You know, if we, if we go through life realizing, if we start every day, we go to work every day, we, 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 we greet people, we talk to the people, and the first thought and the prevailing thought in our minds, this conversation, this life, this lunch, this meeting, this thing, it's not about me. It's about that person. And if that other person had the same concept, you know how great our meetings would be? This is not about me. It's about God and it's about the other people. Think about what real love does. Real, life, real love edifies. Think about the words that come out of our mouth. We must always ask our question, does it edify? Does, it ed- does my actions edify somebody else? Do they edify? You know, we can sum up a lot of problems, even in churches and in ministries around the world. You know, there's so much bickering between churches in some places, even in different countries. Do the words edify? Do those actions edify? Do they build up? And in our day and age, we greatly... We, we need greatly a love that edifies. It's the best test for our words. It's the best test for our actions. Do they edify? Now, we fall short quite, quite often, and we need to make it right, but we must make sure our lives edify. That's the definition of love. And edify, again, means to build up as in upon a foundation. But notice verse 6 in, in chapter 13. It says, Rejoiceth, love rejoices not in iniquity but it rejoices in the truth. So it does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Love rejoices in righteousness, things that are true. Real love is not flattering. Real love is not a phrases that make you feel good on the inside. Real love is true and focuses on what's true. It focuses on righteousness. It does not lie. We could also add another point here that says real love is ethical because it does the right thing. Always. Always. You can say, uh, an example, rather, is in John chapter 15, verse 13. The Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. 
And in John 3.16, we all could quote it for God so loved that he, that he gave. Uh, he gave his only begotten son. So we think about it. As Christians, we look at those two things and we rightfully view the greater love hath no man as the greater love sent by, sent by God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the love there. We rightfully view that. But we often forget again that for us to experience that love of God, Jesus had to endure the wrath of God. In other words, love edifies, love builds up. It does all these things, but it builds upon the truth. That's why he calls it a foundation. You can't put false things on top of the foundation of God. It must be true things. Real love endures. And think about the cost of those building materials. They cost God a lot. For us to experience the love of God, it costs a lot. But real love endures, as we already read about. The words and actions of love will also endure. In other words, if we're edifying in our love, if our words and our actions are edifying and is truly in love, they will remain. The, their impact will be, be also beyond the grave. Why? Because they are built upon truth. I believe love endures because truth endures, because God endures. But I want you to take your Bible and go to this last point here to 1 John chapter 4. If 1 Corinthians 13 can be considered the love chapter, all of 1 John can be considered the love book. It's many times, and and more than any other place, the word love is used here. But I want you to look at verse number 7 of 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 7. The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that knoweth not, knoweth not God, for God, or he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that he might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. Verse 14 says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God dwelleth in him, and he in God. I'm going to keep right on reading here. And we have known him in verse 16 and believed that the love of God hath to us, the love of God that, that God hath to us, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him, because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hate his brother, and I'm not just talking about, and I don't believe John's just talking about our brother that we were born with. He's talking about other people. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So in the end here, my last point with three little sub points underneath there is real love enables 
Real love enables. As I was reading 1 John 4, 7, and 8, is anybody have heard the song that goes along with that? Yeah, I figured you guys would. Yeah, amen. So, number one underneath this, I want you to look at verse number 17. Herein is our love made, our love made perfect that we may have boldness. Boldness, I was thinking about you as I was putting this together here. Boldness, real love is bold. You know, if real love, think about this, if real love enables us to be bold, where is, where is this boldness at? Where is this? Look at this verse again. Boldness in the day of judgment. That's not, that's not going to court for a speeding ticket. That's standing before God. And that's giving us boldness in that judgment. So if real love enables us to be bold before God, what in the world are we to fear down here? Real love should enable us to be bold in all, in all things down here, including the truth. But I want you to look at this last phrase here. The key to this verse, and really to a lot of this passage here, is in that last phrase, because as He is, so are we in this world. As He is, so are we in this world. That, the He is Jesus Christ. And because He became our sin, He was judged by God on the cross of Calvary in our place. That sin was debt, that sin, the, sin paid, the sin debt was paid rather, the wrath of God that was meant for us was settled on Jesus Christ as a man. But because he was more than a man, he came out of that grave, proving himself to be God, because death had no power on him. He was resurrected. He was vindicated. Get this now. He was justified. He who did not need to be justified became justified because he was sin. He became our sin just if he never became our sin, positionally speaking. I hope we can get our minds around that today. Yes, he still has the scars and the wounds and the, crown and the, and the, and the wounds in his feet, but he is now resurrected. And look what John says in the last part. Because as he is, so are we in this world. So are we in this world. All this was possible because God's love. So we who are born again, Christians in this world, we are as he is in heaven. What does that mean? We also are resurrected. We also are vindicated. We also are justified. Just if I'd never sinned, that's the power of God's love. That's the power of God's love. Real love is bold. If we could stand before God based on the, on the love of God and be bold, what do we have to face here? There's nothing to face here. Which brings us to the second point there. Look at verse number 18. Verse 18 says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So number or letter B underneath this last point, real love is fearless. And the thought here is easily connected to verse number 17. They're, they're tied together. We can be bold before God in the day of judgment because real love casts out fear. I am not afraid. I can stand right here in God's honest truth. He knows my heart. I am not afraid at all, not even a sliver of fear to be cast out of the family of God because God loves me. Because God loves me. Real love is fearless. It enables fear or enables the ability to not fear. Boldness is what I'm looking for there. I realize that as a person and even as a preacher or a pastor or a father or a husband, that my actions will not always be the right actions. And if my position in Christ were based upon my actions, how could I ever be bold? How could I? I would be fearful. It would be hard to get through the day if I knew that everything was based on me. 
and all of us would be in the same boat. We would not be fearless. But if my position in Christ is based on His love, His perfect love cast out my fear. Isn't that great? What a concept. What a, what a manner of love. What a, what a great God that we have that we can find boldness because He loves us. What a great God. But this love, again, is not just from God to us. It's from us to others. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, We love Him because He first loved us. I've mentioned this a couple times here, but real love is reciprocal. It returns. It returns and goes, real love goes always. You know, it goes back to the person that loves you, and it goes beyond to a person who may or may not even love you. Real love is not a one-way street. It's not an Einbahnstrasse. <laughs> real love goes on and on and on and on and on and on. I, I, I'm tempted to go on and on and on, so you get annoyed by my on and on and ons, but I want to get that point across. Real love goes on and on. It endures. And real love has nothing to do as Christians. Now, we would all agree with this. has nothing to do with what we deserve. It has everything to do with who He is. Because we don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve any of it. In Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, God commended His love toward us, and that while we were living good, while we were sinners, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You know, this concept of love, of God's love that just... Just goes through anything. It should permeate everything about us. It should permeate our relationships, beginning with God, our spouse, our marriage, our children, our family and friends. It should be about us. It should define us. These last few verses here, the last two verses there, I want, I want to read them. Verse 20 says, If a man love, or if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he, loveth, he who loveth God love his brother also. So these verses tell us that, we have, that if we have real love, if we say that we love God and not others, not my words, but God's word, we are, lie. We are liars. And again, I want to point out, I want to drive this point home very, very clear. Real love is not based at all on the receiver of the love. It's not. It's not based at all. It's not based on his actions. It's not based on his identity, his skin color, his social status. It doesn't matter on anything. Real love comes from the giver and it's not based on anything on the receiver. Remember, God loved us while we were sinners. By the way, we still are sinners. Real love is based on the giver. You know, I have no fear that my wife will never leave me. None. Not because I'm, I'm worthy but based on her love for me and her stubbornness. No, just the love. <laughs> just the love. But her love cast out my fear of her leaving or forsaking me. And God's love for me cast out my fear of Him leaving or forsaking me. That's what real love does. So the answer to, to the day's problems, the world's problems in any society, is not found in... The Internet's not found in who runs for president. It's not found in, in money, bank accounts, careers. It's found in the love of Jesus Christ. Sure, there, sure, there's a place for rules and regulations. There's a place for even enforcing those rules and regulations. But only love changes hearts. Only God's love changes hearts. 
as Christians, we may determine today, we should determine today, if not already, to allow God's love to reign through us. To not react in a way that's fleshly. To allow Him to react through us. To allow God's love to reign in our hearts so that we can reach others with that same love. That's what we're here for. We're here to worship God, of course, and we're here to do this. But how do we pass that love instead of, you know, if we were, most Christians, if we were basketball players, we'd be ball hogs. You know, we would just hold on. We would just hold on to the love and not share it. But a real love endures. A real love edifies. And a real love enables. Enables. Enables us to share the love of Christ. It enables a lost soul to come to Christ. It enabled you and me to come to Christ. Why do we hold on to that? And if you're here this morning, if you haven't experienced that love, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, please, please do not leave here today without knowing for sure that you have the love of God in your hearts. Let's pray.